Good evening. Join us as we descend into the realm of trembling terror. Be warned, darkness and fear await us on our journey among the shadows. Good evening, listeners, and welcome to Season 1, Episode 6 of Among the Shadows. Due to the popularity of our Halloween episode, tonight we're bringing you yet another double feature. We've received a large number of story submissions and are absolutely blown away at how talented so many of you authors are. We cannot wait to continue bringing your stories to life. For our first story, we find ourselves in the stalls with a blacksmith who has long been known for his ugly features and is willing to go to great lengths to change his appearance. We bring you The Face Dealer. That Bronson was ugly. There was never any doubt. As far back as he could remember, he'd been told it and had never been allowed to forget His striking ugliness was such that he had almost no memory of another's visage not twisted by revulsion. He'd become accustomed to it. His world was ugly, and he was ugly, and that was just the way of things. But then, there came Belinda. Fair and merciful was the face that ducked into the blacksmith's stall that day, and the woman it belonged to beamed over him a smile with no twitch one that fully enveloped eyes and that did not squint or look away. She spoke with a summary voice and graced him with a rarefied treasure of pleasant conversation. His ears and heart filled with ambrosia, he reshowed her chestnut mare, glad of the sweat that streaked his soot-stained cheek and masked his runnling tears. He loved her deeply and immediately. How could he have not? It was this love that sent him to Marvello, a rapscallion of the highest order. Not even an angel such as her could love a man like him. Not with those features. And Marvello was known to truck with things normally steered right clear of. Bronson was sure he would have a solution, or at least would know where he could find one. He was also sure Marvello would no doubt charge much for the information. But for Bronson, money was no object. He was a man in love, and as skilled in smithing as he was ugly. No one cared if a smith was hideous as long as he did good work, and Bronson's work was always immaculate. Marvello haggled and then sold him a name and a map for separate exorbitant prices. Both led him to a crumbling tower deep within the woods, where the graying old sorcerer who lived there sat listening intently to his story wearing a bemused expression. Marvello, eh? smirked the sorcerer. And just what name did he sell you? He called you the face dealer, said Bronson, keeping his eyes low. And so I am, said the sorcerer, rising from an ornate chair and rounding his desk to stand before Bronson. He lifted the smith's chin delicately with two fingers and looked deeply into his eyes. I need you to understand a few things before my deal can be made between us. First, this will hurt. There will be more pain than you can imagine. And secondly, there is no turning back. 
Once the deal is made, it cannot be undone. Do you understand? Bronson gave a firm nod. I do. I need you to think very hard now. Ugliness such as yours is more unique than the humdrum handsomeness you seek. A handsome man may be uncommon, but something this beastly is scarcely encountered, even by myself. It could be considered a gift, given the proper perspective. Bronson scoffed and fixed the sorcerer with a look of grim doubt. The sorcerer continued, I also want you to consider that this young lady may not care that you are ugly. She may enjoy you simply for you. She could be gifted with rare virtue, you know. You may not give her enough credit. Bronson scoffed again. I am not taken by such fancy. She is indeed extraordinary to be sure, but there is no love in her eyes when she looks at me. Only the same gentle kindness she has for all her fellow men. I would have more. The sorcerer looked nonplussed. Very well, he said, moving back behind the desk. Reaching into one of its drawers, he retrieved a piece of parchment and pushed it across to Bronson. Review this document carefully before you sign. Because of his looks, Bronson had never been properly schooled. He could not read, but can hide the disability well. He scanned the document carefully, moving his eyes side to side in even strokes, pretending. And after an appropriate amount of time, he pushed the paper back across the desk to the sorcerer, who again looked bemused. Everything appears to be in order. The sorcerer appeared incredulous as he reached for Bronson with both hands. Give me your wrist, he said, and Bronson complied. The sorcerer produced a small knife from his pocket and brought it swiftly across Bronson's palm. Bronson winced. The sorcerer then plucked a fresh quill from the desk and dipped it into the pooling blood. He clapped it firmly into Bronson's uninjured hand. Make your mark, he said. And sheepishly, Bronson signed the bottom of the document with a large ragged X. Taking the parchment from him, the sorcerer rolled it up and stowed it away. Let's get started then, he said, rising once again from his chair. Bronson was led to an antechamber filled with pungent smoke. The sorcerer's apprentices lashed him to a chair while the sorcerer began to chant an archaic refrain. Indeed, there was pain. Typhonic gales of agony produced waves that crashed against his body, eroding his sanity infinitely faster than any cliff succumbed to the sea. Kept conscious by a myriad of filters and elixirs, he thrashed under his restraints. He gnashed his teeth at the sorcerer's odd apprentices as they applied caustic unguents to the totality of his newly shaven head. They jammed the burning ointments into his mouth and nostrils and he choked as he begged. His nose and throat were filled with the acrid tang of bumbling immolation. The apprentices were unmoved beneath their dark hoods. Behind their blank porcelain masks, their void-like eyes of pitch remained unmerciful as they silently slathered, unnaturally calm. Afterward, the sorcerer approached and oh-so-carefully peeled off Bronson's face. With this, consciousness slipped, despite the drug's embrace. When Bronson came to, he was still restrained, but was no longer in the antechamber where the torture had taken place. Instead, he sat in a dining hall at the head of a large oaken table, which stood empty save for a row of candles and a single place setting filled with food. 
Situated at the opposite end, behind this place setting, sat the sorcerer, wearing Bronson's newly flayed skin. Bronson tried to form words, but his mouth was lined in seared flesh. He widened his burnt-out eyes and wondered how it was that he could see. His breathing quickened as he drew it through scorched slits. His gaffs were as raging hells. Had he the ability, he would have wept from the sheer madness. The sorcerer laughed and waved a hand above his head. A cadre of the unnerving assistants filled into the room and seated themselves in rows on either side of the table. They turned to Bronson and stared with vacuous black gazes from behind their blank plain facades. And slowly they let down their hoods, revealing bald, sacrificed heads to match his own. And they removed their masks. Their faces were horrific in their blankness. There were no eyes, no lips, no noses, only fissures, black holes of nothingness that swallowed, howled softly as they breathed. Bronson attempted to scream, but could manage only a jagged, trembling wheeze. His chin moved in silent moaning as his head lulled in horror. The sorcerer massaged his stolen face, Bronson's face and looked across to him with his own eyes. His smile was abhorrent. You should never trust a man like Morvello, or one such as I, for that matter. You should have trusted the girl. I suspect she understands how wonderful this uniqueness truly is. There's nothing like it in my collection. Quite beautiful in its own way, I offer to you my genuine gratitude. The sound of the sorcerer's voice coming from his mouth set Bronson shivering. I believe Marvello did try to warn you, however, for he afforded you the true name of my occupation. Tragically, you misheard it. He liked you a bit, I think. After all, if you'd not come, he would not have been paid. He will be paid handsomely for his treachery, however, I assure you. Perhaps you can take some comfort in that. The sorcerer snapped his fingers, and Bronson was grasped firmly from behind. As food was forked into Bronson's old mouth into his new slit, was forced yet another foul-tasting intoxicant that set him instantly adrift in lethargy. The last thing he heard while still fully himself was wicked laughter peeling from his stolen face. And the last thing he saw was a porcelain prison descend. We hope you enjoyed The Face Dealer, written by Eric McHatton and performed by Cade Rogers. A special thank you to Eric for letting us use your story tonight. In our second story, The Masquerade, it's important to remember things are not always as they seem. One can hide behind a mask, but fear will find you anyway. There were four killers. People dropped in twos and threes. Blood soaked the wood floor, seeping into cracks and coagulating in puddles. It was the end of the semester masquerade party. Faculty chose to hold it in the auditorium, so the abysmal, upbeat tune reverberating off the walls was even more abrasive. 
people dressed in various colored masks, adorned with feathers, fake jewels, and too much glitter. It looked more like a Halloween-themed wedding reception. Students and staff were none the wiser as they chatted, laughed, and stuffed themselves with free desserts. When the guns went off, the music continued, almost as loud as the screams. Three students managed to flee, and I followed. Not even a hundred feet from the door did one lose her footing in high heels and trip on her long flowing dress. Her date, suited in his Sunday best, stopped to help, and now they both lie in a heap, bloodied and lifeless. I have no idea where the others ran off to, but I found myself on the second floor. It was dark, save for moonlight shining through windows. The carving knife clutched to my chest trembled in my grasp. I picked it off the roast beef at the buffet table. Surprised that no one else thought to take it. Music from the auditorium continued to boom. Lyrics, inaudible, the beat vibrating the floor. I wondered if anyone down there was still alive. If they were, they wouldn't be for long. After peeking around the corner, I quietly emerged and made my way down the hall. Door after door, all of them locked. I shot looks over my shoulders at every sound. The mask I wore obscured my peripheral vision, but I refused to take it off. I couldn't let them see me. It was safe to assume the authorities were on their way. Everyone with a cell phone in a spare second called or texted relatives. But it was too late. A woman's scream echoed through the halls. The haunting sound came in gasps as she begged for her life. Words soon replaced by a dwindling gurgle of blood to silence. Footsteps froze me. I tightened my grip on the knife's handle and listened. Faint footfalls on the linoleum and the creak of a door. They were close. Picking up my pace, I yanked every door handle I passed. Turning another corner to continue the routine. Locked. 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 All of them. My heart ached with every failed attempt. There was nowhere to hide. I turned around. Shadows shrouded the way I came. A small speck of light at the distal end. I redirected my gaze to the door in front of me and peered through the glass. Rows of empty desks packed the room with a teacher's desk at the front. Moonlight poured over everything. I reached for the handle, sucking in a breath as it gave way and the door opened. I slipped inside, shutting the door behind me. Moments of searching felt too long. No nooks, no vents, no shelves. Nothing, nothing, nothing. My lip curled into a snarl and I grunted. Nothing but a useless classroom. What a waste of time. My fist met the top of the desk with the start of a muffled, lively tune. I whipped around. As quick as the jingle came, it disappeared. But not before I knew. My sights fell on a tall, thin cabinet in the corner of the room. I strode over and ripped open the doors. The cowering young man inside screamed. A smile slithered across my face as I raised the carving knife. Found you. We do hope you enjoyed Masquerade, written by Alice B. Sullivan. If you'd like to see more from Alice, visit her website at alicebsullivan.com. Thank you for joining us this evening. If you enjoyed the episode please leave us a review and follow us on our various social media accounts. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget to join us next week as we bring you another terrifying tale from Among the Shadows.
This has been a Four Pups Audio Works production. Copyright 2021.